0: Jesus, we pray right now, Lord God, that you would uh, clear our minds, clear all distractions. God, that you would help us to hear from you tonight. Uh, Lord, help me to speak um, only what you want me to, God, tonight. And so we just give you praise and honor. Help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get right into it. Hey, we're starting a new series this week. We got done with the Boogeyman series. If you weren't able to be here for that and you're interested, we did an 11-week series on anxiety and uh, how to combat that. And so that's all on YouTube or on the po- anywhere you find podcasts. You just look up Echo Youth Podcast and you could go through there and it'd be fun uh, and it'd be helpful. And so we're on this new one which is kind of a, I would say it's like a subdivision of the Boogeyman series. And, and this is just kind of diving deeper into a specific area that I think Uh, attributes to a lot of anxiety. And so the series we're starting today is called Hurry Up, Slow Down, okay? And so this is our kind of graphic for the series. You'll see this popping up on social media and stuff. And anytime you see this pop up on social media or even just something similar, why don't you uh, go ahead and throw that up on your story and invite your friends and all that kind of stuff because I think it's going to be really good. Amen? Before I get started, uh, inspiration for this uh, series came from this book, uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and the biggest inspiration for this series is from the Bible, and, uh, and so a mixture of those two and some other uh, resources gave me um, the information that we're going to talk about uh, today and the next four weeks after that, okay? And so if you want, if you're a reader, if you love to read, and you want a book that will supplement what we're talking about, this would be a really great one to go get, and so if you know me, I'm a reader, I wasn't always, I used to hate reading, uh, and then something snapped in my head, like Spider-Man or something, I got bit by a bookworm, and and then I just, it, everything went crazy, so um, that was supposed to be a little bit funnier than it was, but okay, anyways, okay, so if you're taking notes tonight, the title of tonight's message, or just kind of the what we're talking about, is The Case Against Hurry, The Case Against hurry, the case against what? Hurry, the case against hurry. So, my friend uh, Matt, who's not here tonight, but he'd be okay with me telling you this. A couple weeks, a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, my friend Matt. You guys know Matt, Big Sarge. Uh, he was texting in a group chat, and he and he texted, and he said, he said, "Guys, how come we don't have more hours in the day?" He said, I just feel like I can't get what I need to get done in the amount of time that we're allowed to get it done. I just need a couple more hours in the day. Anybody ever felt like that? I just need a couple more hours, especially when you've procrastinated on that paper that's due tomorrow. And you're like, I could use a couple more hours. No, you could have used a couple more ounces of common sense and started earlier, right? But um but Matt was saying, and we all kind of agreed, man, yeah, that'd be great to have a couple more hours in the day. We'd get a lot more done. But here's the tough question that I thought of afterwards. If we had more time in the day, would we use it to rest or would we use it to get more done? Would we use it to recover from a long day or would we use it to get more hurried, to, to be more busy, to get more stressed out? Right? The reality is when we live in, we live in a world and society that is incredibly busy and incredibly hurried. If you want to see like the most, the most hurried and busy place I've ever been to is New York City. Anybody ever been to New York City? Cool. All right. So I'm the only one. Uh, And a a few others. Uh, But I went to New York City when I proposed to Danielle because swag. But... um, yeah. Good luck living up to that. But um just kidding. Um, but when I went there, I was there for like four days, right? Four days or something like that. Three, four days. And I realized that you would have to pay me a massive amount of money to ever live there. <laughs> it's like so busy. Nobody drives cars. Except there's always cars on the street. It doesn't make any sense. Everybody I met is like, oh, yeah, we just take the train, which is what the the subway, they call it the train, okay? So they're like, yeah, we just take the train to and from work. Everybody, everybody I met, yeah, we just take the train, we just take the train. But still, there's traffic on every street in Manhattan. So who's driving, all right? I I just want to know, are they robots? Is it a simulation? What's going on, right? Because nobody drives, but there's cars everywhere, and everyone's honking. In New York, they honk just to let you know that they're there. Oh, thank God. Did you hear that? It's gone. Okay, amen. This is going to be good now. This is going to be fire. Um, uh, but they honk just to let you know that, that they're there. They don't honk because anything's going wrong. They're just like, meh, 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 Go ahead, turn up, meh. I'm like, dude, stop honking so much. You walk down the streets of New York. It's just busy. It's hurried, and everyone seems stressed out. Everyone's a little mean in New York, a little bit. Little bit. Or a lot of bit. I'm just trying to be nice. Get out of my way. What? <laughs> Some dude's riding his bike getting nailed by a car and he's like, I'm fine, I'm good. Get up. Hey, what the you know, and they're all yelling at each other. What is going on? I was there, I was like, dude, I this is great to experience, but I don't ever want to live here. That would be crazy. anybody with me? I'm not I'm not much of a city guy. It's just too busy. Too too busy. But after spending 11 weeks studying anxiety, I think the hurried life is one of the biggest culprits of anxiety. I think it is. So we're going to spend five weeks on not being hurried. The hurried life lies to us and tells us that we're always one step behind. You ever felt like that? Like you're always just one step behind. I'm al- I'm almost caught up in my homework. I'm almost uh, as good at basketball as I want to be. I'm almost as smart as I want to be. I'm almost... Uh, at that, for those of you graduating, wanting to go to college, whatever, I'm almost at the right SAT level. I'm always at whatever it is. I'm almost, almost, almost there. And so, because we're exhausted and behind, anxiety overwhelms because we think we're never going to make it. Here's the next big question. We're we're anxious, we're stressed because we never think we're going to make it, but where are we trying to go? What are we trying to achieve? I've realized two things. Number one is life is a life of balance. Our life is a life of balance. Work hard. It even says it in the Bible in Colossians 3.23 to work hard. But I think we should play hard too, amen? Enjoy life, make memories, build relationships, right? I would trade all the money I've ever made in my life for a good relationship with Danielle. I would trade all the money I could possibly, if someone was like, Brett, you could make a billion dollars or have really good friends, which would it be? And I'd pick friends every time. Because at the end of your life, you're not gonna, you're not gonna wish, ah oh, man, I wish I just made a couple more bucks you're probably going to wish that you spent more time with the people you love and made more memories than you did, right? And so making memories and spending time with loved ones does not require busyness or hurry. Making money does, but what do we want to do? What are we trying to achieve? Where are we trying to go? Life is a life of balance. Work hard. I'm not telling you to be lazy. Don't do that, but play hard too. And then number 2, the second thing I've realized is that there's no part of abiding. Remember the last couple of weeks we talked about abiding in Christ. He's the vine, we're the branches. All the branches have to do to bear fruit is to abide in the vine. So, I've realized this. There's no part of abiding that requires running. None of it. Literally, abiding means just sitting there. Just continuing to be present. And so if we're going to live an abiding life in Jesus, the only thing we're required to do is be present with him. There's no part of abiding that requires running. There's no part of abiding that requires being busy. There's no part of abiding that requires the grind, and there's no part of abiding that requires stress. If we're talking literally about the plant, the only thing abiding requires is holding on Getting sunlight and getting some water. <laughs> that's it. If I'm abiding, I'm slowing down and I'm remaining in him. Amen? Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through thirty. I don't have uh scripture up on the screen this week because uh because I don't. Okay, so uh that's how that's how it it rolls. I got some uh some of the the youth Network guys are doing our, uh, they offered to do some graphics and stuff for us. So we're trying it out and uh, I just didn't get the, we didn't get around to the message ones. But this is cool too. So we're just going to do this. But Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Jesus is saying this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you what? Rest. rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest from, for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen? But here's the thing. The rest, when, when Jesus says, and I will give you rest, the rest is not stagnant rest. It's dynamic restoration. So Jesus talks about a yoke in this story. So a yoke... I've explained this a few times, but I'm explaining it again. I'm trying to find something, but we're good, we're good. Um, a yoke is this usually wooden piece that has two kind of like neck cut, cutouts in it. It's this long thing. It's got two neck cutouts for cows, oxen, horse, whatever. And it would go over both of the oxen, right? So the idea is that the oxen share the load, share the weight of the load behind them, right? But there's also verses in the Bible, you ever, heard of, you ever heard someone say, don't be unequally yoked? Okay, so the unequally yoked thing means that if someone's going faster than the other person, it's going to be all out of whack. In order for it to work, you have to be moving in, in, uh, in sync. It's like when you're, anybody ever like carried a couch with somebody else before, right? If someone starts walking really fast up the stairs, and you're on the bottom... You're like, oh, slow down, slow down, right? Or opposite. If they start pushing hard down the stairs and you're on the bottom, your life flashes before your eyes. You, you pray the sinner's prayer. You, you, make sh- you try to get right with everybody because you're about to die. But um, it's the same thing when you're carrying the, the weight of this yoke. You have to go. To the same. So that's, that's what that means. But the yoke, when Jesus is saying my burden is easy, my, or my yoke is easy, my burden is light, what he's saying is that he's, he's going to, tr- it's not that he's going to take all the weight off of our shoulders. That kind of gets misconstrued in this scripture. Jesus does not take all the weight off your shoulders. He teaches you how to walk with it. And he's the best teacher. And he carries the weight really well. And so if you learn how to walk at the pace of Jesus, which is not hurried, then the, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's like if you've ever, ca- like I said, we're carrying some furniture up the stairs, right? And the person on the bottom is really strong, and then you just have to guide it up the stairs. You know how easy that is? Comparatively, to if you have to carry the whole thing by yourself, it gets really easy. But the, you're still working together, but Jesus is carrying it. Does that make sense? So it's not about him taking the stress and taking the the weight off your shoulders. No, it's Jesus is going to teach us and walk with us and show us how to carry this weight, right? And we don't have to do it alone. The thing about a yoke is it's a two-person job. Amen. But back to the case against hurry. Jesus doesn't hurry. So if you want his yoke, you can't be in a hurry. You can't be lazy either cuz you'll fall behind. But you can't be in a hurry. When we, ex- when we hurry, we exist, but we don't really live. You ever heard the phrase, stop and smell the roses? It's like, I'm going to call Danielle out for a second, okay? When Danielle was younger, I wasn't there, but I've heard stories. All of her siblings used to complain that when they would go on a hike, Danielle was just like... And people are stopping, taking pictures, smelling the roses. And Danielle's like, are you kidding me? We're driving down the hill. Right? So Danielle's goal was to get to the top of the mountain as fast as you possibly can. And the rest of the family's goal was to enjoy the views. Right? And so they would probably constantly tell Danielle to stop and smell the roses. Right? But here's the thing. The journey is so much better when you actually stop and experience it than if you try to get to the top and realize that once you get to the top, the next step is to... Go back down. I've said this before, but there's a, a Korean-born German philosopher named Byung-Chul Han. I nailed that. Um, and he says, they are too... Al- and He's talking about people in, in, the w- in Western culture. He says, they are too alive to die and too dead to live. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Cory ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. You'll be busy so that you blow off the person at the store who really needed prayer. You'll be busy so that you endlessly get upset at people because they're just in your way. Right? Or the devil wants to make you busy so that you get really upset at your parents when they just want to hang out with you on a Saturday. Right? You'll get really busy so that nobody else matters but you. And then you end up just kind of wasting your life away, and it's no fun. Shameless plug. Not plug. Just a little thing for you. Talking about parents. If your parents want to hang out with you, just do it. Uh, because even if they've messed up, I know some. I, I know some people in here. Your parents um, haven't always been there, haven't always treated you right. But if your parents want to spend time with you and hang out with you, just do it and see what comes from it. Amen. Because now that I'm a dad and I have Vince, like I I, I know what that love is like. And so even if I messed up in life, I don't think that this love ever goes away. And so I would be heartbroken if I wanted to hang out with him and and he didn't want to hang out with me. You know what I mean? And so if you're, the Bible says to honor your father and mother. So if your parents are trying to build a relationship with you, even if they've broken it in the past, why don't we give them the benefit of the doubt and rebuild it? Amen? I don't know who that was for, but it was for you. So, huh. Carl Jung, a a psychologist, says, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Here's the thing, in Matthew 22, Jesus tells us the two most important commandments in the Bible. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the thing, love and hurry are not compatible. Love requires margin... And pause and intentionality, and you can't do any of those things if you're in a hurry. Imagine if it was like, if I texted Danielle, hey, I got a babysitter this Friday night. We're going out. It's me and you. But I got like 35 minutes it's because I got an appointment um, at like 7.05, and so I got really got to make that. And then after that, I'm going to go to the gym. And then after that, um, I'm, I got a... a FaceTime thing with another youth pastor so if we could fit this romantic date thing in to like 35 minutes maybe a quick McDonald's run and uh, and an episode of Friends and then, is that cool? Right? (laughs) Love and hurry are not compatible. I can't, like I said, I can't love Danielle or Vance or any of you if I'm in a hurry and here's the other thing I can't love God if I'm in a hurry. John Ortberg said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we will become distracted and rushed and preoccupied, become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of living it. You ever skimmed a book because you, you procrastinated and you got to do a, a book report at school, right, you skimmed it? You don't actually know anything that happened in that book. Nothing. You know enough to write a lame paper, but you don't actually really know what happened. And you don't enjoy it. You you never skim a book and you're like, man, I really want to read that again, right? (laughs) So why would you skim your life? You look back at your life, that sucked. Or you can look back at your life, man, I lived. And I loved. And I had a blast. And I left it all out there. Amen? Amen? And that answer doesn't happen with hurry. For years, our society, for probably the last 100, 200 years, our society has really made a focus on uh, trying to minimize the amount of time we're doing stuff in the effort to free up more time. And I think the original intent was that we would be working less hours and doing less so we'd have more time. But here's uh, what happened. So we made light bulbs, and so... um, The average person before light bulbs would sleep 11 hours a night. And light bulbs were made, and guess what happened? Now the average person sleeps 6 hours a night. All because we get to stay up a little later and turn the lights on. And we wonder why we're perpetually anxious comparatively to previous generations. We created thermostats. So instead of going out to the woods, chopping some wood, bringing it back, Having a little get-together with the family and putting wood the, in the fireplace, we just, and it's done. Smartphones, right? We don't even need a computer anymore. Email, why would you write a letter? You just, and you don't even use email, so you text them. Microwave. My mom, used to be so mad at me, I make the dino nuggets in the microwave. She's like, dude, put them in the oven. Like, they'll get crispy. I said, mom, it takes 15 minutes to do that. I could do this in three. That's literally a fifth of the time, Mom. Cars. We made cars and trains and everything else so that we could get places faster. But can you imagine how, much, how many memories were made on a journey where you just kind of were on horseback, horse and carriage and going? Getting robbed. So we got more free time, right? No. Just like before, like I said, what happened when we got more time is we got more busy. We got more stressed. We got more hurried. Because the issue of hurry is not an issue of time. The issue of hurry is an issue of us. It's an issue of our mind. It's an issue of our heart. Jesus calls us to rest, and we answer, not now. I've got too much to do. (laughs) Jesus says, hey, you can work six days and then just rest the seventh. And you say, Jesus, the grind never stops. (laughs) Jesus says, hey, bro, why don't you take a day to spend time with your family and to uh, just be with me? And I answer, who's going to pay the bills, Jesus? Right? Jesus says, hey, how about you you rest a little bit? You say, Jesus, do you understand what these finals are? Are like, you didn't have to take final. Jesus, you don't even know what a Scantron is. Right? <laughs> Jesus is like, yo, chill. <laughs> You're like, yeah. That's what I thought, right? Since 2000, check this out. Since the year 2000, our attention span has dropped from an average of 12 seconds to 8 seconds. We have an 8 second attention span on average. And a goldfish has a 9-second attention span. We're losing to a goldfish, guys. <laughs> because we have listen, listen, listen. We're, we're we're losing to a goldfish <laughs> because we're never satisfied. We could be on our phones scrolling. Here's here's what everybody does. Nobody actually just scrolls Instagram for a long time. What you do is you scroll a little bit and then you open it up, go to to YouTube and watch a video and then open that up, then go back to something else, then open that up, go to Pinterest, go to Snapchat, then go to your text messages to see if anybody texted you, nobody texted you, you feel lame, and then you go back to Instagram and it's like this for forever. And then a goldfish is just chilling, (laughs) Right? But we lose our soul in hurry. We really do. Because we're never actually living. We're never actually present. How can you be a soul that's alive if you're never actually really living? So what do we do? Simply, this is the one thing today that I'm going to teach you that I want you to try. Is just slow down and simpl- simplify. Slow down simplify. I was really overwhelmed a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever that was. I had just so much to do, and honestly, I was overwhelmed at the beginning of this week because I have a ton to do, and Danielle, Danielle keeps telling me, she's like, Brett, one thing at a time. Just Breathe, slow down, one thing at a time, and then today, she had to practice what she was preaching a little bit, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to throw under the bus or anything, but slow down, take it one, one thing at a time, and take breaks in between. What? We don't need more time. We need to say no to our busyness more often. Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Bible says days are evil. Why are days evil? Probably because they give us an illusion that we're running out of time. I became a, I became a, well, a pastor a couple years ago officially, but I've, I've, full-time ministry, I started when I was like 19. Jesus didn't start full-time ministry until he was 30. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Making the most of every opportunity requires space for the unknown. It requires margin. It requires that when you walk through the crowd, if someone asks you something, you can stop and have a conversation. If you're in a hurry, you don't have time to stop to talk to anybody. How do you expect God to do anything in your life if you're fully booked, Jesus says, like if if one of your friends called you, hey, do you have like twenty minutes to talk? And you're like, ah, oh, sorry, I'm really, really slammed today. And Jesus is like, hey, can I, can I bless you for like twenty five minutes? <laughs> sorry, Jesus, <laughs> maybe tomorrow, eleven thirty. What do you think? <laughs> Too busy. So Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. It was the one originally that I read. Uh, Come to me, all who are weary. Remember that, everybody? Okay, so I'm going to read it in a different translation. This is the message translation, which I usually don't read out of, but the version that uh, this kind of translation is really, really cool. So just listen with me. It says, Are you tired, worn out, out burned out on religion? Jesus says, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's not for his gain, but for ours. Jesus is saying, I've seen you struggle long enough That if you just spend time with me, I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen? John Mark Comer, who wrote this book, says, an easy life isn't an option, but an easy yoke is. So, that's all I have for tonight. If you join us for the next four weeks, I'm going to teach you how to get less busy and how to get less hurried. And how to get less anxious. Amen? Sounds good? Left you hanging there. But you got to come back next week. Invite some friends. All right? (laughs) Hey, why don't we stand up. We'll pray. And then we're going to celebrate birthdays and all that kind of stuff. So um, let's stand up and pray real quick. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us uh, this week. God, help us to slow down and simplify our lives a little bit. And not to say yes to everything, God, just to say yes to the things that really matter. Help us to prioritize our lives with you at number one and everything else falling after death. So we give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.